Dairy prices are on a roll. Dairy prices soared for the eighth consecutive session at the global dairy trade auction overnight. Prices hit their highest levels in nearly seven years. The index was up 15% with whole milk powder, New Zealand's largest export, up 21%. Could you believe it? Uh, no, quite shocking actually. Even the boss of Fonterra, Miles Hurrell, was stunned at the price paid for milk just over two weeks ago, and this is why it matters. The price strongly influences the payout for local Kiwi farmers. Oh, I mean, our last count, we're you know, talking about $11 billion into the New Zealand economy, so if there's upside to that, that's only, only a good news story. That's uh, amazing, isn't it? Most of, yeah, I mean, it is amazing, and... You know, we understand that the, you know, there's some sectors of New Zealand that are, that are really struggling, so you know, pleasing to see the agricultural sector step up uh, through this time. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and today on The Detail, how something as simple as this... When feeding 1.4 billion, what is more important than a cup of good milk? Helps pump billions into our economy. Dairy is our biggest exporter. It's worth $20 billion a year. 40% of that is shipped to China. Each of our 5 million cows produces around 385 kilograms of milk solids a year. Total output, 22 million metric tonnes of milk. Buying and selling dairy is so powerful it can push the Kiwi dollar up or down. So when Fonterra, our biggest dairy co-op owned by 10,000 farmers, announces it's pushing up the Farmgate milk payout and a strong half-year result, it's big news for the whole country. Today, I'm with two experts tracing milk from the farm gate to the family breakfast table in China. I'm Mike McIntyre, Head of Dairy Derivatives at Jardin. And Emma Higgins. I am a Senior Dairy Analyst for Rabobank. So March the 2nd, there was a huge jump at the Global Dairy Auction. Can you explain to me what happened? really just supply and demand so we're into our part of the season now where because we sell two months forward on GDT um, so if we look into two months in the future from now obviously we're looking at May and then onwards to June and July which are the low periods in New Zealand production. It's when the cows are producing le- less milk because we're going into winter? That's right so our farming systems are basically set up on the ability to grow cheap grass. So uh, in spring, obviously, that's where we see what is called the spring flush. Um, we see a lot of milk come on board, and that's really as a result of the calving taking place ahead of the grass growth. So if we look at May, June, July, its total production would be less than 10%, and obviously there's no grass growth at that time of the year. So back to what happened on March the 2nd. Yeah, so we've got very little uh, supply available, or Fonterra especially, they're the ones who won, run the global uh, dairy trade. They've got very little supply available, which is unsurprising. That's typical for this time of year. But there's a large increase in demand we've seen, especially out of China. So last year, the Chinese government came out and essentially issued a directive to the public to say, to ward off the ill effects of of, um, COVID, they should be consuming more than a glass of milk a day. Dr Zhang, I heard you've been telling people that people should enjoy more steaks, eggs, milk as much as possible because they need to survive and thrive even with the pandemic. Is it true? I would like to advise all those traveling to maintain a healthy diet to resist the virus. Nutrition is critical. And what that has done is it soaked up the, the raw milk volumes that are available in China.
Here's Emma Higgins' take on what sparked headlines like Southland farmers shocked and excited as global milk prices soar. The milk pools are largely concentrated in the hands of a few. And so that's led to higher demand by other smaller ancillary companies. And that's also helping to drive milk prices as well. Yeah, so it was a good boost or good boon to the New Zealand dairy industry. So that, that in itself has had a huge effect on demand for milk in China. It has. So China produces about the same amount of milk as what we do. But typically, um, again, it's quite seasonal. But the, the fresh milk that isn't consumed there is then dried and comes up in competition against what we produce and send across to China. So obviously with this directive locally to consume more milk, there wasn't a lot of milk dried domestically in China. Mm. And as a result, there was greater demand for the New Zealand dried milk. So ultimately what this boils down to in summary is that there's you know really expensive cost of producing milk in China. We're seeing very strong demand. And because of that, the combination of those two factors means that the cost of actually importing New Zealand dairy products into China has actually been really cost competitive. So it's been really favourable for New Zealand exporters. We'd predicted a rise uh, to come through maybe four, five, six percent on, on a good day. Even Miles Hurrell, the chief executive of Fonterra, said he was shocked at that huge surge in the price. But to see it come through at 15 was, was uh, you took everyone by surprise, I think. It was extraordinary. I don't think anyone was calling for that sort of move. I've been following these auctions now for the better part of 10 years, and I've seen it previously, but only in the past where we've been constrained. You know, if we go back to 2013, 2014, New Zealand was essentially in drought. The whole country was dry, with very little production available, and the prices moved very quickly then, just because there was a couple of people who wanted it, and there was even less than normal available. So we have seen moves like that in the past, but again, it's a very uncommon occurrence. The Global Dairy Trade, or GDT, is an international online auction platform. Since it was established in 2008, GDT has been recognised for setting a credible price benchmark on milk and whey-based ingredients. Shall we wind it right back and look at what happens on the farm and what happens with the global dairy auction and then I guess that glass of milk on the table in China. So the farmer obviously produces the milk, yep. puts it at the farm gate. Yes. And that's collected by usually by Fonterra. That's right. So Fonterra would still be 80% of the milk that's collected. But we are seeing the emergence of some of them homegrown, some of them internationally funded other processes. Um, so essentially the milk is taken from the cows and, and, and collected by the processor. But a milk is 86% water, so when we dry it, the farmers only actually get paid for what we call solids, so the fat and protein within the products. So they don't get paid for the water, obviously, and they don't get paid for the likes of lactose or the other nutrients that sit within it. Some of those um, parts of the milk are actually utilised by the processor in terms of developing further products, but that's just the way the process was set out at the start. Mm. So a majority of our product gets turned into what we call reference commodity products, the whole milk powder, skim, AMF, butter, buttermilk powder, and that's what the milk price says they should do. But obviously, you know, it's been 20 years since that calculation was put in place, and there's been a lot of innovation in New Zealand dairy industry. You know, the likes of infant formula was very much a, a blip on the radar 20 years ago, but has become again a boon for the industry in terms of you can turn something quite simple like milk powder into something that's quite nutritious and higher margin and obviously in, in great demand from the likes of China. 
our milk, the stuff destined for the domestic market, stays in liquid form and isn't reconstituted from milk powder. So it's again, it's, you're getting this bucket of milk, what can you turn it into to give the best return both to the farmer and, and obviously the processor as well. You know, some of the processors are co-ops, so that money is then returned to the um, farmers in form of, of dividends. Some of them are privately owned, some are internationally owned, and some of them are actually companies, so the dividends would be returned to the shareholders. So the bucket of milk or whatever goes in, in the tanker and takes it to a Fonterra factory, which then um, turns it into one of these different commodities. That's right. Yeah. Then what? We've got the, the global dairy auction, but what does that have to do with what's sitting there, you know, the product in the factory? That's right. So the dairy auction is actually forward-looking. So I, I spoke about earlier how, you know, we're in March now, but we're selling for May ETDs, mm. like estimated time of departure. So the milk that um, Fonterra is selling, because it is Fonterra runs the global dairy trade, is based on what they're forecasting to have in stock at that time. Um, so by the time that the, the milk actually turns up at the processing factory, it's quickly dried or, or churned or put in a vat to make cheese or whatever, and then it's stored into a warehouse um, and quickly you know, a shipping um, option is allocated to it and it's sent out. So ahead of the product actually being received, Fonterra knows who the owner of that milk is going to be. Oh, really? You mean owner as in...? So on GDT this evening, if I was to buy it, I'd be issued with a, an invoice which I would pay at time of shipment and so that milk won't actually be collected for two months but by the time it is it knows where it's going or Fonterra so knows where it's going. As the buyer, who are you? I mean, what, what oh, I could be a, a, a multitude of different places um, but predominantly I'll be an end user so I'll be someone who's taking that product and turning it into something that's part of a manufacturing process. You know, I could be a multinational turning it into chocolates or I could be a restaurant using it as, as part of my menu or I could be indeed someone who's looking to add water back to it to have a safe supply of drinking milk. Most of it goes to China? We're seeing an increasing amount of going to China. Certainly in the case of whole milk powder, yes, a large percentage of it would go to China, but there's other products that are, are more readily demanded from other countries. You know, 2008 we signed the free trade agreement with China and our um, bilateral trade with them, certainly in dairy, has just exploded since then. Mm. Um, so while it seems like China is the be-all and end-all, and certainly they are a very key trading partner, and not just in dairy, but across the board, um, there are there a number of other key relationships which are long-standing and very important to the New Zealand dairy industry. How does GDT work? Twice a month, sellers announce their volumes and starting price to the online auction. Fonterra is, is the majority of the product that's offered. Certainly, it's almost exclusively all of the New Zealand product available. Which then opens for bidders. There's registered buyers who are pre-vetted ahead of the auction. So they turn up onto the platform at the time, and it starts off at a price, and you insert your demand that you're willing to pay at that price. If the total bids exceed the volume available, a new bidding round begins at a higher price. Bidding continues until demand matches supply. And it just keeps on moving, the price keeps on moving up until the amount being offered equals the amount that is demanded. In this way, buyers can be sure to obtain the best price of the day. The customer benefits are substantial, a price set by the market, not the supplier. So the auction the other week, is, uh, you know, as you alluded to, the 21% increase, obviously that, that took a long time to clear. 
was it just one buyer that got that at that price? Or I, I'm, I'm sort of like, casting my memory back because it's been a while and it's, it's obviously pretty early in the morning that we're looking. Mm. But I think it was a small number of registered bidders. The one I think it might have been something like 86, which is for an auction at this time of year is an extremely small number of people. But obviously there were a couple of key people at this, you know, in particular, I would think, who, who really wanted the product. So who would those key people be, though? We, we know they're in North Asia, so we can presume China. That, that, that information's made known to us. But I would think um, for the size of... It will be a, a well-known dairy participant who wants you know, New Zealand whole milk powder for part of the process. So you know, it could be a, a Chinese dairy customer who's looking to uh, fortify their demand with New Zealand production. So yes, they will reproduce fresh milk, but they have other requirements for the milk that they can't satisfy out of demand out of China, or it could be a multinational in China that requires it for manufacturing their candy bars, or it could be a whole, whole host of things. But my best guess would be that it would be one of the larger players in that Chinese market. OK, so let's go back to what the farmer gets paid. Because does it mean that the farmer is getting paid, you know, 15 to 21% more for what they're producing? No, because it's an average of the 24 auctions. So it's by bi- monthly, so the first and third Tuesdays. So, you know, a 21% increase, if it was to get it at all, um, if that price was to stay elevated, you know, 21% increase at the first GDT auction, um, if currency was to be unaffected and no other price movements would be seen, yeah, we could probably see a big increase in the overall milk check. I think what it's saying is it's supportive of a better milk price, and we certainly saw Fonterra upgrade post the GDT. Dairy giant Fonterra's financial recovery has continued with a 43% rise in its half-year normalised profit to $418 million. The bottom line profit was $391 million, down more than 20% on last year's result, which was inflated by asset sales. The cooperative's global revenue was slightly lower, but its China business surged on higher sales and margins and more than made up for softness in other markets. The company today left its recently updated Farmgate milk price forecast unchanged, so it's still sitting at a range of between $7.30 to $7.90 per kilogram of milk solids. The latest announcement from Fonterra was that it expects to pay farmers between $7.30 and $7.90 per kilogram of milk solids. Um, 40% increase on the previous 40%. It's yeah. a big increase. It is. Uh, the farmers need increases. You know, We had a couple of um, horror seasons back in 14, 15, 15, 16, where we saw a, uh, a 390 and a 440 payout. So no farmer, or very few farmers, would have made any money there. You know, we need a payment above $6. You know, historically, we would have said something like 550 but, you know, increased environmental concerns and regulation from councils and local bodies. A milk price above here on paper sounds really supportive, and, and certainly it is. You know, a 760 payout, most farmers in New Zealand should be enjoying pretty good times. But... You know, it's a commodity in which they're supplying to the international market, so things can change. So when things are good, you want to be rewarded for that because you know there are going to be, at times, bad years, and you need to be able to cover those. One cloud for the second half is rising milk prices. Good for farmers, but a negative for Fonterra, as Chief Financial Officer Mark Rivers explains. As the as that moves up, the extent that moves faster, then we can keep up with prices and some of the other products. Then we'll see a bit of a squeeze on margins. And so um, we can see that play out, especially if there's a strong 
rapid rise, um, as we've seen in the last uh, last few weeks. So we'll expect that dynamic to play out in the second half, and we'll put a bit of pressure on. But even with that in mind, um, you know, we've reconfirmed uh, the earnings guidance of 25 to 35 cents for the year. And are you expecting this to continue, this kind of demand? Yeah, look, we we think that demand in China is going to remain fairly steady um, in the coming weeks and months. I think there are a couple of things to really consider um, and the first is that there are some inventories building, we think, in China. Um, we're really watching for, I guess, demand over the, the short term for a couple of factors. So first of all, Fonterra have added in some extra volume into the GDT. So that will really test Chinese demand in the short term. But more specifically, we think that the Chinese market is generally well stocked. So there are elevated stocks sitting over in China. And we think that in the second half we of, of this year, I'm talking about, we will see some import pressure come through from China because their milk production growth is very strong as well. Mm. Um, we think that the, the demand and the consumption outlook for the second half of this year is going to be slightly weaker. So the combination of elevated stocks high milk production growth in China and slightly weaker demand and consumption outlooks will transpire in terms of weaker import demand across the second half of this year um, and into 2022. But the good the good news, I think, really around that is that we think that the milk supply growth globally is going to be fairly modest across the course of this next year. And we think that that will help to mitigate some of the price falls that we're expecting to see come through in the second half of this year. In other words, China's ramping up milk production too. There's probably a bit of stockpiling going on. Eventually, Chinese consumers will stop drinking a glass of milk a day. So towards the end of the year, the bonanza will ease up. Not too much, though. The rest of the world isn't producing a great deal of milk. So you are saying inventories at the moment, a building. So does that mean that stocks of milk and other dairy products are building what, in warehouses in China? Yeah, so we so we think that the stock being held on hand by processors and other people along the supply chain is building. Now, if you think about what's happening on the shipping side of things, there's globally a lot of congestion around ports and China is certainly no exception to that. So what we're hearing out there from the people that we speak to in China is that buyers are looking for more safety stock to have on hand to help to mitigate some of this port congestion and just general disruption across the whole supply chain. And so as part of that, we are hearing that there is some purchasing happening that is a bit more advanced than what we would normally see to help mitigate a lot of this port congestion. Oh, it's great to see the uh, commodity price go up. Um, it's certainly a nice trend. It certainly helps the rural towns. Um, Morrinsville, for example, the large part of the industry is based around dairy farming. I mean, they can have all the money in the world available to them, but if there's no confidence uh, and the expectations are poor, well, they don't spend. So, um, you know, it's, it's incredibly positive news for us. So, good news for farmers, but what about the price of milk and butter in the supermarket? 
Yeah, look, what generally tends to happen at a high level is that supermarket contracts are negotiated periodically. So at some point in time, if we do continue to see prices remain elevated, then yes, they will most likely flow through to the retail side of things. Um, but there is a bit of a time lag generally, and it will depend on a, on a case-by-case basis. But generally speaking, supermarket contracts are renegotiated periodically. And when we do see higher commodity prices, we do tend to see that flow through at some point in time. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. If you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe for a free daily download from your favourite podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. Thanks to Emma Higgins and Mike McIntyre for today's episode. Mā te wā.